to the book of Proverbs, and we'll be, begin in Proverbs chapter 27, and then we'll turn to chapter 30 in a moment. So Proverbs chapter 27, while you're turning there, we'll just go over the last two weeks so that we know where we're up to. So in the first week, we looked at the difference between a principle and a promise, and that some people can read the Proverbs as principles rather than them being like gravity, rather than being, as Tyler said, just as they are. It, it says what it says, it means what it means. But sometimes Proverbs can be read as principles, as though sometimes they're true, sometimes they're not. It all depends on the circumstances or the outcomes or the inputs. No, Proverbs are like gravity, they're always true, and so you can either pay great attention to them uh, to your benefit or no attention to them uh, at your personal loss and the loss of others. Then last week we looked at the difference between two ways to learn. Uh, you can either learn through listening to the Word of God and then not suffering the bad consequences of experience, or you can learn or think you learn through experience. And the illustration we use from Genesis 3 is that Adam and Eve knew the reality of death before they experienced death. Okay, so they knew it, um, but then they knew it in experience. And there are some experiences that we don't need to have to know the truth. And not all experiences actually make us better learners. In fact, some experiences make us worse learners because they create a habit which we then can't get out of. And we can look at that perhaps later on. Today, we're going to actually look at that when children are growing up, just like adults as they're growing up, our lives come under influences which actually affect the way we learn and affect the decisions that we make. So not everything is a process of learning and application. And so if I read a book, I'm then able to do the book. And an example of this might be if you take someone like Michael Jordan, who you know is probably one of the most famous basketball players of all time, maybe more because of the trainer Air Jordan than um, you know that's really what propelled him as well, uh, at least in the UK, because <clears throat> we heard about the trainers before we heard about the player. But over here, he was you know a great player. But if he was to write a book on basketball. Um, would I then become a good basketball player? Like the answer, no, <laughs> no I, I wouldn't become a good basketball player. Not, and that's not always a reflection on the book, but there are limitations to how people learn and what can actually be communicated. Um, C.S. Lewis said, for instance, um, that I'd much rather uh, tie a man's tie for him than write an essay on how to tie a tie. Like when you, like for instance, when you teach your children how to learn to tie their shoelaces, do you give them a book to read? No, because of the difficulty of communicating that action through words. So you just say, here, let me show you, and then you copy. And so the copying through imitation, uh, which we will get to later on, has more to do with desire. This morning, I want us to look at that life under compulsion, um, that how the lives of children and the lives of adults can be directed by compulsions, not necessarily by what they've learned. And we've got two passages. So we're going to explain them, then we're going to apply them. So explain and apply. So if you want to turn me to Proverbs 27, verse 7. 
So Proverbs 27, verse 7 says the following. One who is full loathes honey, but to one who is hungry, every bitter thing is sweet. So notice just very quickly before we turn to Proverbs 30, that the one who is full loathes honey. Well, honey is not something to be loathed. It is not something to be treated as distasteful. Honey is sweet to the lips. It's, you know, God brought his people into a land flowing with milk and honey. Honey is a good thing. But for a full person, a person who is full, um, he can bypass honey or she can bypass honey that I just, I'm not even tempted by even the very best thing. But to a person who is hungry, uh, that even bitter things become sweet, that a hungry person uh, is led down the road of destructive hungers. And we can have a look at what a destructive hunger is in a moment. Now, Proverbs 30 then, if you'd like to turn there quickly, and we'll flip between the two if that's okay. And Proverbs 30 uh, are the words of Agur. And in verses seven through to nine, we have his prayer. And he's asking this of the Lord, which allows us to see that not only is he aware of himself, that is his limitations, what he's able to cope with in life, but he is also aware of what extremes do to a person's life, what extremes do to a person's life. And of course, we can perhaps introduce the idea of why intermittent reinforcement is never a good thing when raising children. And we can look at that in a moment. So verses seven through to nine, two things I ask of you, deny them not, n deny them not to me before I die. Remo remove far from me falsehood and lying. So his life wants to be free from that. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food that is needful for me. Lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of the Lord. So what the man is saying is exactly what we read in Proverbs 27. Uh, similarly, is that if his life is exposed to extremes, having too much, um, then he's in danger of denying the Lord, saying, who is the Lord? He could forget, because if you have every material blessing that removes your need to trust in the Lord for your daily bread, to put it in simple terms, then it's quite easy then not to, not to ask God or thank God for the food that you receive every single day. Like every time we sit down at the table and eat food, you know, we, the Lord's done it again, provided another day. We've got to the end of another day and our bellies are full and we have a bed to sleep in and a roof over our house and the Lord has done it again. And the same will be true tomorrow. Uh, in faith, in, you know, and we, are, we learn to live with the provisions of God. But extremes, any person who is exposed to an extreme, and that depends on the person themselves, um, if they are full, they can deny God, and if they have too little, they can then start thinking, well, maybe I can start providing for myself in ways that don't honor God. Um, but the temptation is to forget that God knows that we have to live, right? So how many of us read the Sermon of the Man and we get to that passage where it says, um, God provides for the birds of the air, look at the flowers of the field, look at Solomon in all of his glory, um, and God will provide for you. And the context is, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow 
will take care all of itself. And you want to say to God, having read that, yeah, but God, I have to live. Do you, do you know that I have to live? Do you, do you know the bills that I have got coming my way? Do you know the pressures that I, I have to live? And so you then start adding to the Lord's provision um, because you think you're in a poverty state or a state where God isn't actually going to provide. And that's more to do with doubt and a lack of faith than it is um, your reading of God's word, essentially. God's word says what it is. So in both cases, what we find is that a person can be full and em or empty, and that then affects the decisions that they then make. Um, so if you think in terms of food, and we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, um, that if you're, if you're not hungry, you eat food. It, sorry, if you are hungry, you eat food. Um, if you're dehydrated, you drink water. And these things are common um, sort of physical uh, physical. Uh, counterparts so that we can actually live and work and walk and what have you but then there are spiritual truths so what does it mean to be full of God to be full on God so that we don't deny God and so as you raise your children one of the things you have to do is understand firstly that extremes okay having too much is dangerous for all of us um, because it can actually affect the way that we live before the Lord. Having too little can then cause us to profane the name of the Lord to, because we try and meet our own ends um, and we try and do it that way. And then, of course, if you are growing up with your life in this one of extremes, you have a life under compulsion, which means that you're no longer in control of your decisions your decisions are being driven by uh, your empty condition. Does that make sense? So if you're empty and then you're then tempted to go out and steal, you've got a life under compulsion. You're not actually in control. You're being driven by the fact that you're empty. In the same way that if you're full, um, your fullness on God, your fullness spiritually, your fullness on uh, many things, um, means that you are then in, in more control because you are able to not even be tempted by the most delightful thing. So this is the pattern that we see. Now, the reason why intermittent reinforcement is dangerous when you raise a child is because the child uh, doesn't know um, when something is going to come and when it's not going to come, and then they start building links and patterns. So an example would be that if you go out to the shops and your child says to you, can I have X? Uh, and you go, no, not today. And then the child asks again, can I have X? You go, no, not today. And then after the fourth time of asking, you go, oh, all right then. Okay, because today you just so happen to have enough money in your purse, you're able to give it to them, you're and you're a little tired as well. Perhaps you can't quite cope with being asked over and over again to stop the, stop the child asking you over and over again, you give them what they want. The trouble is, is that when you go out to the shops another time and you're feeling this time as though actually, no, I'm pretty full, I'm pretty awake, I'm, I'm, I'm on top of things today, 
and I can cope with my child asking me 120 times and I'm not going to give in, okay, the reason your child will ask you for 120 times is because you sometimes say yes and sometimes say no, and because they don't know, they just keep asking. So over and over, can I, can I, can I, can I? Because they know at some point you'll say yes. And so what you're teaching your child is intermittent reinforcement. You don't, you're not they're not entirely sure when they're going to receive or not receive. And so the only way they can be sure is just to keep asking over and over and over again. So as parents, as you raise your children, how do they learn? Well, they learn in exactly the same way we learn, that that is that when, we're, when we ask for something and we receive it, and when we don't ask for something, when we ask for something, we don't receive it. We're not always entirely sure why. Why doesn't the Lord give us what we want all the time? More importantly, however, that as you live your life and as you as you start growing up, you have to recognise that your life is going to be shaped by being full or by being empty. It is not, your life is not the sum total of everything that you have learned in Sunday school. Okay, your children's lives are not the sum total on a weekly or daily basis of what they have learned or the Bible reading that they've had that day. It all comes down, a life under compulsion is a life that is shaped by either being full or empty. So an example, okay, this is for you adults. Okay, if, if for instance, if for instance, um, <clears throat> a husband is not full on his wife, or a wife is not full on their, uh, her husband, that can affect the relationship. And then uh, distasteful things then become attractive things. So girls, um, there's a way to dress properly and there's a way to look beautiful without drawing attention to your body. And men in the same way, there's, there's a way to look handsome and respectful without drawing attention to your body. So men, the reason for, for um, building muscles, okay, let me just give you an example of this. Now, I, I, I would admit that I'm probably not as strong as I used to be when I was roofing, when I was actually climbing ladders and doing actual physical work. And so over the years, I've become weaker. But the point of having muscles, okay, is not to wear a tight T-shirt. Okay, you understand that, don't you? So the point of having muscles, men, is not to wear a T-shirt that is too tight for you. Because the point of muscles is not to impress a woman, but to actually save a woman from a burning building. Do you understand the difference? So the reason for being strong is to use that strength in courageous ways, to use that strength in ways that can actually be good for people, right? Where you can work hard and you can save someone that is drowning or you can save someone from a burning building. Or if they're stuck up a tree, you can climb the tree and go and get them, okay? You, you, you have been given that strength and that strength doesn't necessarily have to be shown off by tight t-shirts in right, short shorts so that you can show how big your legs are or how big your arms are, okay? Men, you just don't need to do that. Women, 
Now, you're thinking, are the men really got a hard time there? Well, women, I'm going to give you a, a hard time as well. Listen, um, girl, girls, there's too many girls in the world um, that want to be wanted, and one of the ways that they get what they want is by showing off their assets. And they start, they start to trade with their assets. So they start to wear clothes that is then revealing and revealing in a way where it is revealing to a, a man who is hungry, who is not full. I'll give you an example. So if you're married, okay, and your wife um, dresses very modestly and you're full on the Lord and you're full on your wife, your wife is very attractive to you, always. Like very beautiful, you find her very beautiful. But if your marriage is not full, if you're not full on your wife, then suddenly a woman walking down the street with a skirt that's too short and a top that is too low, suddenly that bitter thing, every bitter thing becomes sweet. Why? Because my life is a life under compulsion, Proverbs 27, verse 7, and that the man who is full is able to cope very easily with even the most tempting things because he's full. He's just not even tempted by them. But a man who is empty, he finds every bitter thing is sweet. And so when a man who is full on his wife is not full on his wife, he is then tempted by bitter things, by short skirts and low tops. Make sense? Because people's life are lived a life under compulsion. So we need to be full because if we're empty, we are led in ways that we shouldn't be led. So there is a type of beauty and a type of strength that God gives to us, okay, that can only be truly appreciated when people are full. Full on the Lord and full on each other, properly understood. Make sense? Proverbs 27, verse 7. Keep reading that. But when you are empty, then suddenly you see men walking around with, with huge muscles and T-shirts that are too small, right? Because, and suddenly they, they, it's just a total miss a mismatch. Does that make sense? So the point that I'm trying to show you here is that your life is directed by compulsions. And that if you're full, you're able to avoid temptations, even the most, most beautiful temptations you're able to avoid because you're full. So I'll just read the proverb to you just so you can hear it again. And it says, the one who is full loathes honey. The one who's full is not even tempted by the most desirable taste. But the one who is hungry, every bitter thing is sweet. So now I am controlled not by choices, but by whether or not I am full or empty. Okay, my life is being directed by whether or not I am full or empty. And that fullness is a fullness in the way that God expects us to be full. On his word, in prayer... Um, with food, of course, um, with relationship. But when we are empty in those areas, um, we then eat things that we shouldn't eat. You know, when you're hungry, you'll even eat things that you don't like. Has anyone been so hungry and, you know, mum hasn't gone out to get the shopping or whatever and you've decided to eat something, you think, well, I'll eat it this time because I'm really hungry. Anyone? No? Oh, oh, there's a few, yeah? Well, I can remember once 
my mum hadn't gone out to shopping and I had just come back from work and there was nothing. I was so hungry that guess what I ate? I ate a cornflake sandwich with tomato sauce. Pretty disgusting. Really disgusting. I won't recommend it, but I was hungry. And that's what, that's what happens. Your, your life is driven by being full or by being empty. It's not just, when you think about educating your children, it's not just about giving them the right Bible knowledge. It's just, it's just not about that. It's about making sure that they are full on God's word and full on God. Okay, because if they're empty, they end up having destructive hungers. Now, I'll give you an example of just how dangerous a destructive hunger is. So destructive hunger is a desire for anything that actually leads to your own destruction. So I'll give you an example. If you were driving along a country road, let's say a Cornish country road, not, not one out here because they're all pretty straight. They're very beautiful, but they're very straight. I drove out to Hutchinson on um, Wednesday morning after the men's book study, and it was, it was west on seven, and it was just, oh, I love this road. It's straight, I don't have to think, I just, just sit back. A couple of roundabouts, this is it. All roads should be like seven west, I'm telling you. It was just delightful. Like no traffic, it was just beautiful. But in Cornwall you have windy roads, you have high hedges and you have to be careful. So I can drive those roads pretty easily because I know what to expect, danger around almost every corner. But if you're driving down a road that just has a few bends, right, and you've driven it a hundred times, have you ever had the experience of getting to the place where you're going to and can't remember passing certain spots on the way? You ever had that? Because you've just drone it, you've driven it so much. You go, I know I had to have passed the roundabout. I know I had to go, having gone through those traffic lights and passed that shot, but I can't remember. Right, you think, well, where was I? Where was my mind when I was doing that? Well, that repetition of getting used to something is both good and dangerous. So when does an easy road to drive on become a very difficult road to drive on? Well, it, it becomes a difficult road to drive on, not when the road changes, but when, when you change. So now let's fill the man with too much alcohol. Right? He's drunk. And now the easy road becomes a very difficult road, not because the road has changed, but rather because the man has changed. Okay, the man is now under the influence of drink, and that is impairing his ability to drive, impairing his vision, and suddenly an easy road to drive on becomes a very difficult road to drive on, and then he ends up in the ditch. Well, in exactly the same way, children who begin to entertain destructive hungers find even very easy paths to walk difficult because they are under the influence of something else that then that causes them to find it very hard to walk the straight and narrow path bef before the Lord. Does that make sense? So what I'm trying to show you is that in some of the great classical novels, like The Betrothed, written by the Italian, uh, his name will come to me at some point, 
but that the book Betrothed is all about life under compulsion, which is different than sort of mimetic desire, imitation. It's really about what happens to a person's life when they're controlled by either being full or being hungry, by extremes. And so if we turn to verse, Proverbs 30, we'll just have a look at this in a slightly different light. So in Proverbs chapter 30, just before we get to the application, um, two things I ask of you, verse 7, deny them not to me before I die, remove far from me falsehood and lying, give me neither poverty nor riches, feed me with food that is needful for me. Okay, that is needful for me. So the, 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 the benchmark here is what is actually needful um, for each and every person. So what I need and what you need may be different. And only the Lord knows exactly how much we need at any one time. That this is the difficult thing because what a person needs to live in one country would be different than what a person needs to live in a different country. Okay, needs are different, they, they change. What I needed as a single person is very different than what I need as a married person. What I need is a, is a, as a man before I had children, a husband, is very different than what I need as a man after I have children, a husband. I need loads more things from the Lord to be able to do the things that God has called me to do. Same for women as well, for the wives as well. And yet what the man says here is that if he is full, and the full here is one of extreme, not beyond the needful, Okay, so the needful context is the end of verse 8. But then he says, verse 9, lest I be full and deny you. In other words, if I have too much in my life, if I have too much, then the temptation is um, that I am going to be driven um, away from you by the fact that my life contains more than it should. Okay, so my life is now a life under compulsion. In other words, I'm no longer in control of my wealth. My wealth is in control of me. I'm no longer in control of my riches. My riches are in control of me. And there are very few people, I think, in the Christian um, community um, that can actually handle riches uh, in the same way that there are very few people in the Christian community that can handle poverty. You know, I think God shapes us very differently for different reasons and some of us just can't handle money and some of us just can't handle not having enough um, but God gives us what is needful for us because an extreme of either uh, an extreme of either can cause us to um, be led away from the Lord or do things contrary to the way Lord, the way the Lord God would have us do them so the lesson today when it comes to the application is this. When you look at your children, parents, and husbands as you look at your wives, and wives as you look at your husbands, what is it that actually keeps them full? Okay, what do they need to be full of? What is, what is lacking um, that would then cause them to be led by compulsion? So you really need to know the person you marry to. You really need to know the children you have. You really need to know the people you are close to 
because you need to know that if your responsibility is to keep them full, okay, at least in part your responsibility to keep them full, that by not giving them what you can only give them, then they are not full, they are half empty. The point here is, is that if you're not full in the good things, in a good way, you are driven by compulsions. If you have the extreme of being having too much, then you could end up denying the Lord. Okay, so there's, there's this needful balance, the needful fullness. So parents, you need to perhaps understand that as you look at each and every single one of your children, they all empty at different rates. Some may need more attention than others. Some may need more reminding that they are loved than others. Some may need more discipline than others. Okay, there are different levels for different children because that we're not all the same. And it's, it's the same with us adults. You need to think, you need to think um, that the Lord is the one that will keep me full on him, which means I'm able to cope with being low in other areas. Okay, I'm able to cope with being low in other areas areas and so first the first thing is this you need to identify you need to identify uh, for the for this sole reason that if you fail to identify the things that keep each other full okay and of course it's all of our responsibility to come before the Lord and to ask for that which is needful okay to ask for that which is needful that's what we need to come before the Lord and do but the way children learn, the way we all learn, is that we are shaped by our experiences, whether we like it or not. That was the lesson last week. We are shaped by our experience. We don't always learn from them, but we are shaped by them. Okay? And so what does it mean to be full? So that we avoid the bitter things becoming sweet. So that we avoid those destructive hungers. What does it mean being full without having the extreme, lest we deny God, okay, and say he doesn't exist? And what are, what are the things that empty me, that then cause me to make poor decisions like eating the wrong things or going the wrong places or watching the wrong TV programs? What am I trying to fill myself up on because of where I'm lacking in other areas? Does that make sense? Because we're always trying to become, we're always trying to be full. Children are always trying to be full. An example would be that if a child, if a child, for instance, uh, is not getting the attention that they need or they feel that they want or that they should have, and then they start playing up and then they get attention because now your attention is drawn to them, but now they're being corrected, okay? And you correct them and suddenly they, they're not quite sure how to understand the relationship between the attention that they're getting and the discipline that they're getting. But because they crave attention so much, they, they act up again because the attention is a more powerful driver than the fear of being disciplined, okay? When the attention is more of a, more of a powerful driver than being disciplined, the child won't matter about being disciplined. The child won't care because he gets the attention first. Okay, and there's always that payoff. An example of this, and I'll finish with this, is a, is a relationship between a man and a woman who openly gave their testimony, and I actually was 
Um, I was actually the minister there at the time. And she had fallen into a habit of gambling and hiding the gambling from her husband. Anyway, her husband found out that she was gambling and the amount of money that she lost. And at first, she was like, um, and this was a classic example of her not being full. And I won't go into why or what it was, but she was not full and she was trying to look for fulfillment in other areas. Okay, and it was not found. So she, she turned to gambling and, and the sheer dopamine and the excitement kept her sort of like, like a high, like, 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 you know, additives in food. It just gives you that bit of, you know, eat a handful of Skittles and suddenly you're bouncing off the walls, right? That type of high. But it, the interesting thing about the relationship is that it got to the point that after a couple of times of being caught by her husband and the amount of debt, the, the, the joy of getting the excitement from the gambling was greater than the fear of, of the argument with her husband. Okay, and so wherever one is greater than the other, that behavior continues. And so the reason why a child can keep playing up over and over again, you think, well, why isn't their behavior changing? It's often because the, the need for attention is so great that that's overpowering the thing that they don't like, which is the discipline. So they just carry on and on and on. Does that make sense? So it's important as parents and as children um, to ask the Lord at all times to keep me full, to give me that which is needful. Because if I have too much, I'm in trouble. And if I have too little, it causes me trouble because my life is directed by these things. Make sense? Yeah, <laughs> okay. Okay, let me pray for you. Gracious God and Father, we ask this morning that you would indeed keep us full, that we would recognize that through your word and through prayer, that you're able to fill us to the full, that we may live a life uh, influenced by Christ and following him rather than a life under compulsion, driven by destructive hungers. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.